welcome to the Nitty Gritty Reviews podcast. Today is Monday, so that means it's another Marvel Monday, and Tristan and I are back to talk about phase two of the Marvel movies, starting, of course, with the 2013 Iron Man 3. I've got some, some new podcasting equipment, starting fresh with phase two. We're super excited. Um, and I think there's quite a bit that we have to say about uh, about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so this is going to be a, a nitty gritty review of Iron Man three, which means we're going to be going through every category of the grid rating system and talking about what works and what doesn't work with this movie. Um, but before we delve into the grid, um, let's just talk a little bit about this movie. Um, I know for me, and and I'm kind of assuming this is true of you as well. This is actually one of the few Marvel movies I did not see in theaters. Um, so I can't imagine you, you saw it in theaters either. If I, I was didn't. just about to say <laughs> that exact thing with those exact words. Yeah. And I don't know why, because I mean, this was fresh off of Avengers 3, or Avengers 3, I'm getting things mixed up. This was fresh off of Avengers, and I liked the first Iron Man movie. Second one, eh, not so much, but still... Um, and coming off of Avengers, I, I was super hyped and I guess I just wasn't that interested. Um, and I feel like it was one of those ones that like, I, I kind of wanted to see and then it just never happened. And then it was like, oh, well, sure. um, but that's kind of my, my history. And I also, I'm sure this is going to come up. <laughs> um, I actually wrote a paper about this movie in school. Um, it was pretty nerdy. Um, and it was not. Uh, super in favor of this movie um so that might come up a little bit (laughs) (laughs) um it was essentially i mean i'll I'll certainly get more into this in some of the categories but it was essentially a paper about how it um didn't treat the female characters super duper well um which we'll get into later and you probably won't care too much but you the listener or you the tristan you the tristan okay Oh, I guess I should probably... I forgot to introduce the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what's going on? What are we doing? (laughs) Okay, so so I forgot to say this up top, but Iron Man 3 is directed by Shane Black, written by Drew Pierce and Shane Black, and is starring, of course, Robert Downey Jr. as uh, Tony Stark slash Iron Man, Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts, Don Cheadle as James Rhodes, Guy Pierce, uh, Rebecca Hall, John Favreau, Ben Kingsley, uh, and the list goes on, but those are the main ones. Um, okay, so now that that's out of the way, <laughs> was there anything else um, that you would like to add before we delve into the grid? Uh, I think I got a lot of little things to add, but nothing outside of the grid. Fair enough. Um, so then I guess we'll segue right on into the first category, which is going to be writing, plot, and genre. And this one, like most movies, I have the most notes um, within this category. But the first thing that I feel like um, we should really talk about right off the top, um, which I suppose would fall under the uh, plot structure subcategory, um, but this is definitely a topic of, of conversation amongst people as soon as this movie is mentioned, um, and that is the the fake Mandarin reveal. So how do you feel about the yeah. the idea of a fake villain or a a poster villain. I actually really, really liked that. I thought that was really cool. I did not expect it the first time I saw it. I think, I don't think I expected it. Um, 
I actually didn't expect it this time because this <laughs> movie's not super memorable to me. Yeah. Um, I watched it like three times when writing that paper and yeah. forgot most of it. So. Yeah, like I saw the Mandarin a few times and I was like, wait a minute. I know there's something here. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I thought that was really cool and really interesting, especially since the guy who's the puppet master of it all is uh, playing both sides. He even says, I'm, I forgot his exact words, but he's basically, I'm going to have a monopoly on terrorism and a monopoly on counterterrorism. Yeah. Because he's uh, doing stuff with the military. Uh, sure. Military weapons dealings or something. <laughs> I, I, yeah. don't, I don't think that was ever super clear. Yeah, things like that usually aren't in these movies. Well, it actually yeah. was very clear in the first two. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's like a an Iron Man tradition at this point, I guess, <laughs> that uh, people who supply the military are the good guys and also the bad guys. Sure. Or something, I don't know. But anyway, I really like that. I thought that was really, really cool. All right. I, I liked it as well. The only thing I didn't like um, was the character of Trevor, whatever, the, the uh, fake Mandarin. The actor. Yeah, um, the humor of that was lost on me. I just, it was it was a little over, which which is more, yeah. like, I guess what it comes down to is I like the plot structure element of it, but the character element okay. I did not like. Um, so that gets into the next category. But I agree. I thought that the, um, having that twist in there and having something unexpected and, you know, having, because um, most, a lot of superhero movies will have, like, the double villain where it's like, okay, here's this villain doing their thing, here's this villain doing their thing, and the third act, somehow, all these people are going to cross. Sure. And with this one, it's like, well, no, there was just the one villain all along. He was right. also responsible for this and this, um, which I thought worked really well. I know it um, pissed a lot of comic book fans off, because I guess Mandarin is an actual villain, an actual character. Oh, yeah. And okay. uh, I, I don't know much about it. I haven't read any comic books featuring that character. Yeah, I mean, um, but I can imagine that would be <laughs> upsetting to say the least. Um, but without having that perspective, I can say that I, I really liked that. Uh, the twist there. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but that tends to be one of the more divisive elements of this movie. So I was curious about your take on it, but it sounds like we mostly agree. Yeah. And the character stuff we will get to when we get to it. That is true. Oh, um, so did you take any notes during this one? I took a few notes. <laughs> you know I did. I I have about four pages of notes. The fourth page is just a couple things, so it really would it, it would comfortably fit on three pages, but I had page breaks between the category, between some of the categories. Sure, sure, sure. It's okay. almost it's all... Size 8 font would fit on three pages. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. It's mostly all about writing. Everything else, there's very little of note. Yeah, that is... Um, but I'll try not to go on too many rants. Uh, one thing that I will say that's, that's pretty much at the top of my list, um, as far as, as plot structure goes, um, I mentioned I hadn't read any comic books that feature Mandarin as a villain, but I have read some of the, um, the Invincible Iron Man storyline. Um, and that storyline opens with a really great issue where, um, I think the first issue was called the five nightmares or something to that effect. And it's basically, um, 
Tony Stark talking about how he has these five nightmares of like you know, five things that could go wrong in his life, essentially. Okay. I don't remember what they all are. I know one of them is alcoholism. Like he's afraid of, you know, succumbing or, or losing control or, or what have you. Cause he's oh, yeah. definitely an alcoholic in the comic books, which is lost in the movies, which I think is unfortunate. Um, although they I do. Re- they re- repurpose they, they do yeah i mean they they replace it with with ptsd which i think is is appropriate um but at the same time i think we talked about this in either in either avengers or i think probably iron man 2 um so i'm not going to rehash it too much um but i do just feel like in general um disney tended to water down a lot of the darker elements of um of iron man and i mean this there's a a recurring theme in iron man 3 where he talks about demons and you know creating your own demons and how to fight these demons um and his panic attacks could be easily characterized as his internal demons um and i feel like it was a just a real lost opportunity or or maybe not even a lost opportunity but just um it would just water watering things down of, you know, having this recurring theme of, of these internal demons that are kind of mentioned, but not really when in the comic books, it's this very recurrent, you know, he has these five things that he's afraid of and and they're all about his, his mortality and his flaws and his vulnerabilities. And I, I just wish it wasn't so watered down. Like I'd like to see more of his flaws and his shortcomings and I feel like this movie especially really goes out of its way to be like, well, yeah, he has panic attacks every once in a while, but look at all these things he does anyway. Like, he's totally awesome. It doesn't even matter that he has them. It's just kind of a character quirk. Yeah, it's like a slight inconvenience. Exactly. Um, which, again, we'll get more into with character. Um, but as far as the plot structure goes, I feel like um, there was just a real missed opportunity uh, just within the basic plot where they hint at these things and then just either go a completely different direction or water it down. Um, so that's something I try not to compare to the source material too much. Well, especially, I don't have that much to compare it to. I haven't read that many of the comic the, books. The Wikipedia page of the source material. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I actually have read some of the Iron okay. Man ones. It's more than um, I have. And I think, I mean, I just particularly liked the the Invincible Iron Man run. Um, I thought it was really well done. And and this borrowed a lot from, I believe, the Extremis storyline comes from the Invincible Iron Man as well. I think that's why I started reading it. Um, and, and it's just done so much better. So, so I really try not to compare it to the source material because in cases like this, at least, that's not necessarily fair. Because sure. it's taking, it's borrowing aspects and turning it into something new as opposed to like... I don't know, taking The Great Gatsby and adapting it to a movie. I don't know why that was the first thing that popped into my mind, but it's different when it's like literature and you're adapting a book and here's the movie version as opposed to these graphic novels that are Sure, more... like you could have uh, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Where's your poster? I was looking for your poster. You have a poster of that, don't you? I don't have a... No, I have it on Laserdisc, which I used to have That's hanging up behind me. Even dirtier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Yeah. But that's still true to the source material. And right, it's still, right. for the most part. They change superficial details. Exactly. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I try not to, with, with comic book adaptations, it's, it's such a loose adaptation right. that I try really hard not to compare it. But in this particular case, um, I just feel like there were so many missed opportunities because they borrowed so much, so literally, and then went in such a totally different direction that was 
not the yeah. right direction in I, my opinion. I could see how that's a that's a loss. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I guess since we're still talking about plot structure, uh, there were just a lot of little things that, like a little a little negative here, a little negative there. Oh, yeah. And a lot of them I just lumped under plot structure. That's what I did, too. There were a lot of things that, when I saw it happen, I was like, why, why did you not do that 30 minutes ago? Yeah. Why did you wait so long? Why why are you just doing this now? Right. And that was really frustrating. And, I agree. And just like like there were several times throughout the movie where I just like threw up my hands, like, what's going on? What is this? Now, that's, that's now this is happening. You did do that. Okay. Yeah. Although I think I did too a few times. Yeah. And that was frustrating. And and I don't know, really bothered me more than stuff like that usually does. But I think there was way more of that in this movie. It did seem like a lot. And there were even things that were just downright plot holes, at least at least I think they are. Maybe maybe you saw something I didn't, but things like um when all the suits come to save the day at the end of the movie, I'm like, where did all of these suits come from? We right. saw them all destroyed. We saw it twice in the introduction. Yeah. And then like when it happened for reals, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah. we see oh, it. Yeah. So we see all those destroyed. And even if, like, okay, maybe he only had 10 in his house and the rest were somewhere else. Okay, so that means, what, there's 30 at the most? There were way more than 30 suits. Yeah. There were more than 42 suits at sea. I mean, I didn't stop and count. Maybe it just <laughs> seemed like there were more, but it sure looked like more than 42. There were a lot, yeah. Yeah, so that whole final fight, and then like you said, even if they weren't all destroyed, like, why did he wait till this point to bring them all in? Why not when they were all falling out of the airplane? I was just about to say, remember when he could only save four people? Right. And he's like, ah, whatever, I'll save them all anyways. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, there were so many little things like that. Yeah. Or I think we both have the note where... uh, he says, uh, these suits are only coded to me. Yes. And then, um, you know, except for all those times when that's totally not true. Exactly. So either, like, there's only two options to explain that. Either that is a plot hole and they're not just coded to him and they're coded, you know, because we see Pepper and we see Killian. Both, a, a suit gets thrown on both of them. At and the presidents. Points. Yeah, but that was a different, that was uh, really Yeah, that's true, I guess. I mean, that still makes the question of how that was even possible if they can code them to certain people. Yeah, I don't know. But they probably didn't update their OS or something. <laughs> but still, Tony suits, we see them on, on at least yeah. those two people. I think those are the only two, but still. Um, so either that's just a plot hole and they forgot about it when they threw that line in, or he was just blatantly uh, profanity alert being a dick. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, and that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, not just being like, but like, like not just I, when I say that, I don't just mean like, oh, he was being a jerk. That's so Tony. I mean, like he was going to let his friend potentially die. Almost by, certainly die. Yeah. By not giving him a suit just to be a dick. Why would you do that? Like, and that's the only explanation. And it's not like he didn't have suits to spare. He had to destroy his extra suits. And he get he so had a like, suit. Fine, here, have a suit. Have, have three or four. I don't care. I've got. 42 of them. Yeah. He even instructed a suit to carry him somewhere. I'm like, surely that's no better. Yeah. How is that? You're still taking a suit away from the action to yeah. do something for it. Like, just give him a damn suit. 
I, I feel like they just did that for like a joke or two. I mean, it was just a one-liner. Yeah. I'm just a, you know, the visual image of him being carried away, I guess. That's... Like hugging the, you know, Colonel Rhodes hugging an Iron Man. Yeah, which I guess is supposed to be funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree that I, and I did definitely have a, a decently long note about that same thing that just. Yeah, it, and and those aren't the only ones. There are just so many little times throughout the movie. Yeah. Like, like so many things that people did just made no sense. Like another thing that I wrote down was um, there was a scene where Tony was uh, strapped to that bed frame. Oh in yeah. The dungeon, yeah, yeah. I guess. Which... <laughs> Sounds like a different kind of scene, but I know yeah. what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that woman was like going to inject herself and mm. like go supernova or whatever. Uh, to kill herself and to kill everyone. And then, like, the main bad guy, like, shot her, which is, why would you do that? Now she yeah. only has one possible option, which is to kill herself. But then she's like, oh, no, I got shot. I guess I'll just lay down and, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah. Oh, 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 that sucks for me. Like, yeah. Neither of those things that either of those people did make any sense to me. Right. And and, and I thought that throughout, like, 90% of the movie. Yeah. It definitely, um, one of the things as far as, as genre that I, I have a note of, um, I mean, this movie is directed by Shane Black, who is probably most famous aside from this movie for uh, for directing Die Hard. And, and that's what this movie feels like. This feels like Die oh. Hard with Tony Stark. And, and I mean, Shane okay. Black like created the action genre as we know it. Like he, he's very influential. Um, and, and a lot of people... Uh, a lot of people really think that, um, you know, this was the perfect matchup and that Tony Stark needed this, you know, high energy, high action vibe. And this was just like a match made in heaven. A lot of people really feel that way. Um, I, however, I'm not one of them. I just, um, I mean, this is a superhero movie. And, and and Marvel has always, particularly starting with phase two going onward, um, has always been really good about taking other genres and melding it with the superhero genre. And I think that's what they were trying to do here is, is take the action genre, meld it with the superhero genre and, you know, make something new. I just don't think it was particularly effective because almost all of these superhero elements were completely lost. It didn't feel like a melding. It felt like an action movie. Whereas like Ant-Man is a classic example of, of a okay. heist movie that happens to have superheroes, but it still feels still very much so a superhero movie as well. It's, okay. a, it's a hybrid of those two. Whereas this just, it didn't feel like a, a hybridization of these two genres. It, it felt like an action movie that happened to have a superhero in it. Yeah, maybe that's, yeah. Maybe that's what I felt. Because, yeah, I just felt like something was, I don't know if I'm just, maybe because I've seen so many of these movies in such a short period of time that I was, like, kind of tired with it. But that doesn't seem right. I don't Because I know what movies are coming up, but I'm I was, really excited to see them. I was going to say, I don't think that's it. Um, but there's, yeah, something was just, for me personally, just didn't really resonate. I agree. And I wish, um, I kind of wish we had had a, a third person for this one. Because that is something I would like to start doing as, as we get more into phase two, is start bringing in some guest co-hosts to, you know, help engage in more. Because especially with these movies, we tend to agree, um, which is great. And, and we do still get some great conversation. But for something like this, um, and uh, Captain America is another one that that I would love to get, you know, a second opinion i guess even though it's a third person <laughs> it's um, a third person but it, it would be a second opinion exactly because because there's just um i just think that we go into marvel movies with a a 
different eye than most Marvel movie fans. And I'm not sure what the difference is, but like Captain America is one of our least favorite. If not, I think it's pretty well established. She is our least favorite, um, at least his standalone movies. Nah, you know, he's just not not our cup of tea. And and with this movie, it, it's another fan favorite. A lot of people prefer this movie to the first Iron Man or or think of them as being very close. And yeah, not so much for, for me. And I, I have a feeling that's true for you too. Um, so I don't know, I'm going off on a tangent, but um, I do feel like there's just something about um, what we look for in a Marvel movie is not necessarily what the bulk of Marvel fans look for in a Marvel movie. But, yeah. but maybe it could also be one of those things that just everybody looks for something different. <laughs> you know, like it's hard to tell um, how much of a fan base is because everybody likes the same thing and how much is because they're so good at appealing to a lot of different things. Yeah. It's hard to say. Anyway, that was a totally side rant. Um, one of the things I did like uh, is that they did set certain things up. Like they set up that the suits do not have to have Tony Stark in them. Yeah. They set that up pretty early, and then they actually used that throughout the movie a few times. Um, I thought that was good. Yeah. It didn't uh, negate all the faults that it had. Sure. Like, like, that's like a plus one, but there's like a minus, there's many, many minus ones. That was a bad way of wording it. But anyway, um, there was also this weird scene where uh, Tony Stark used... Uh, Rhodes's uh, logins to yeah. watch some videos and it kind of reminded me of like the scenes where the uh the bad guy the the villain has the hero like tied up or whatever and he's like explaining his master plan for whatever reason I, I think that's <laughs> like they're obligated to do that for whatever reason um but instead of doing that he like I don't know if it was some henchman with his iPhone recording what was happening <laughs> and then like sending it to the military or something, or if, or if like he had like a documentary crew, like if this is some weird version of the office, <laughs> but it's like a maniacal madman and it's like minions or something. Sure. And I spent like five minutes daydreaming about this weird <laughs> alternative universe office. Um, Makes more sense than just about anything in this yeah. movie. I, I don't know. I That just really stood out as really bizarre. Yeah. To me. And then, and then like I said, I, I missed like at least five minutes of the movie just imagining this alternative universe office. Yeah. Where like mag, these crazy magma men. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know. It's, it's crazy. It's weird. <laughs> I did think another one of the little plot holes that kind of drive me nuts is uh, how on earth did Happy survive? Like he was pretty close to that explosion and just like hid behind some rubble or whatever. Yeah. And somehow survived an explosion hot enough to burn shadows into the wall. Yeah. Like he should have, he should be dead. Like that's not, there's no way an explosion that hot would take out like blocks yeah, and it wasn't like that. He hid behind like one of those little uh, uh, mall kiosks where you buy like oh, sunglasses yeah. <laughs> or keychains. 
or something. Yeah. And those things are like slightly thicker than cardboard, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not fireproof. Yeah. Certainly not like atomic fireproof. Yeah. What was <laughs> it three thousand degrees Celsius? I, I think, think that's so. what they kept saying. I don't Yeah. I, I don't think that's gonna do much good. Right. But if you're a secondary character then you get you get extra lives. It's like a video game. I guess. There had to have been a better way to get them injured, though. I don't know. He, he should have died. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many things about this this one movie. And there's, there's I, can, I can get on board with a lot of stuff. Like, okay, fine. Thor can fly because he spins a hammer. Sure, <laughs> fine. That's crazy, but whatever. He's uh, a Norse god and Asgardian and alien, whatever. Tony yeah. Stark can, like, throw holograms into the sky and like move things around sure whatever he's a genius who has his own genius operating system or whatever i don't know but this this movie it just went it just went too far with too many things too many times Uh, uh, yeah it does also uh, this is something that's bothers me every time i watch it i mean first of all how Pepper was able to wear a suit is kind of a mystery. Like, at what point did he apparently asked, had to code her to wear it? Yeah. And she's so against these suits, I find it hard to believe she would willingly let him. Um, so that's a whole a whole issue in and of itself. Um, but then he doesn't even let her keep the suit. Like, he has 42 suits, and she's in danger, and he wears he lets her wear it for, like, just long enough yeah. and then takes it back. I'm like, couldn't you have let her hang on to it for a little bit? longer yeah it's it is especially weird since Rhodes got a suit like if he didn't give a suit to anyone then I could see like well he wants it totally to himself because he doesn't trust anyone or whatever yeah but I I agree that since someone else got a suit to be fair Rhodes did basically steal the suit in Iron Man 2 though he didn't really give it to him willingly I mean, there's like yeah, a, I guess that's true. there's like a throwaway line of like, like oh, with all your security, he just got away with it, like implying that he let him get away with it. Yeah. But it wasn't like a gift. <laughs> that's true. But still, so that's just something that that has always kind of bothered me a little bit, and also something that I thought was, um, I guess, funny, but not in an intentional way. <laughs> there's there's the scene where he meets the kid Harley. Um, who we'll talk about quite a bit in the next category. Um, but like when he when they meet each other and he's like, like, oh, who are you? What's that thing on your chest? What's going on? And then he sees the suit and he's like, oh, that's Iron Man. And then he hands him a newspaper that's like, oh, the world thinks you're dead. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you knew who this guy was. You're holding a newspaper with his picture in it. Why were you so confused? Like, why are you not just like, dude, you're Tony Stark. Why the hell are you in my barn? Like, yeah. what was that scene? Like... That's the, I think, the technical term is plot. Or just, I mean, it's just lazy or, writing or something. Yeah, yeah. There, there was just so many moments like that. Yeah. I also think um, this is something that bothers me quite a bit throughout the movie, and I think it's something that that a lot of people really like. Um, so I'm curious about your take on it. But there's a lot of this movie that it, it's much more Tony Stark than Iron Man. Yeah. A very large percentage of this movie is Tony Stark without yeah. a suit, which, which I, I like to an extent, 
But then you have scenes like where he's in the bar trying to get that file, which is also a very big coincidence that he goes to find this woman and happens to find her at the same exact time she's going to meet someone else to give them this file. That was extremely convenient. Okay, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought maybe I zoned out for a while or something. No, that was just a blatant plot convenience that made no sense. Okay. She was she was there to meet the girl who ended up kicking his ass. That's why, like, as soon as he sat down, she's like, "Here's here's all my data. Here's all my files." Right. Okay, I I thought I zoned out. No. Or something, but I mean, maybe you did, but you didn't miss anything. <laughs> if that's the case. I think I was still thinking about, like, The Office and this parallel universe <laughs> or something. I don't know. Um, I guess that hadn't happened yet. But anyway, so, yeah. But, yeah, so that was a whole thing that bothered me. But then that whole fight scene where he's, like, like, he should have been ripped in half without his suit going against someone infected with the extremist virus or whatever they're calling it. Like, there's no way yeah. he would have survived that. And I like that he does, like, I mean, he outsmarts her by, yeah. like, you know, luring her in and exploding her. But, like, that part was was kind of cool. You know, he, he home alone his way out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I guess that's cool. But, I mean, he should have just been ripped in half or, or burned alive or whatever. Like, something. There's, there's no way. I mean, unless she was just cat and mousing him and, and just, I was just about to say that then she's an idiot like why would she yeah. not so that bothered and then it happens again um although it's a little bit more believable because he does have some gadgets when he he goes to Miami and he's like taking out all the guards and stuff um which just seemed like it was just very like James Bond here's my gadgets I'm gonna sneak up on people and be super sneaky and, and I'm just like yeah, I'm, like but, you're a middle-aged billionaire without your suit you're you can you even run without losing your stamina? Like how in, like how do you I mean maybe you do need to be in shape to run the soup that's never really been addressed yeah. before. But like I don't think you really need to be in peak physical shape to be Iron Man. Maybe he chooses to be anyway. We don't really see that side of him, I guess. But I just felt like there was no way, particularly with the scene with with the girl in the bar. But then even even at the Miami when he's just going through taking out dozens of people, I'm just like, you're just a middle-aged guy. With a cup with like an electric yep. glove or whatever, like, <laughs> and that uh, that that blue Christmas tree ornament that explodes yeah. for some reason when you put it next to your face, like yeah. that one guy did. God, I yeah. can we talk about Christmas for a minute? <laughs> I know that's like a Shane Black like staple. Like all of his movies take place at Christmas, apparently, oh. which I just think is so. And I feel really bad. Like, that's his thing. And he wants all of his movies to take place at Christmas. But, like, this movie came out in May. This wasn't even a Christmas release. Like, who wants to go to the theaters in May and see a movie that takes place at Christmas? It's weird. Like, find a different thing. And we're watching it in, in June. And I'm just like, stop it with the Christmas music already. <laughs> stop it with the, like, stop reminding us that it's Christmas every 10 minutes. It really bothered me. It's just annoying. Yeah. And I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be one of those movies that like takes place over the course of a year and we'll start at Christmas and then end at oh, Christmas. Okay. I see that. Yeah. And then it just kept being Christmas. And I'm like, stop it already. <laughs> like, I just, I mean, maybe I'm just a humbug, but anyway, you don't seem to have anything to add. So I guess it didn't bother you as much. Uh, I don't know. That could be a cool thing, like it's your Christmas tradition to watch Christmas movies, watch some Die Hard, I guess, watch this, I guess. 
watches other movies apparently. Uh, but when it's not Christmas, it is kind of weird. Yeah. Especially when it's like 98 degrees outside. and. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of weird. Me too. I didn't. I didn't realize that was his. Uh, his shtick. I mean, I could be. It might, it might not be every single movie, but like Die Hard, of course, takes place at Christmas, and this one, and I'm pretty sure a lot, if not all, of his other movies do. Like, I know it's like okay. a trademark. I just don't know how often he does it. Interesting. Um, but for whatever reason, he really likes Christmas. Now I do sound like a humbug. Like, who likes Christmas that much? <laughs> it's a little weird. Not you. I guess not. I mean, I like Christmas when it's Christmas time, but... I think it's because you've worked in retail. And, like, when you hear those Christmas songs, and it's, like, yeah. the day after Halloween or something. Yeah. yeah, that's probably part of it. Anyway. So is that uh, all you got for uh, plot and genre? Uh, looks like you got at least half a page more of notes. I mean, I have a couple other little things, but they're, I, I feel like we hit all the important points and we've been, yeah, going for about a half hour now. So I guess it's about time to wrap up the, wrap up the plot and genre category, unless there's anything else that, that you would like to add. No, I think I, um, yeah, I think I said it all. All right. Uh, what was your final score then? Uh, well, I would like to say that oh. the subcategory of plot structure got one out of ten. Wow. I thought I was low with 3.5. There were just okay. so many, like, so many times. I just threw my arms up, like, what, at that annoyed me so much. That yeah. was tied for worst. Um, and, and I just wanted to mention that because that is an unusually low score. That is. That's, like, lower than the Hulk. I don't think you gave anything in the Hulk that low. I could be maybe, wrong. Maybe. Um, but I did give uh, the genre cliches, tropes, and twists a 9 out of 10. Which is really? I gave it a, high. I gave it a 3 out of 10 because it was just an action movie with Tony Stark. I think it was uh, mostly the, the Mandarin twist. That's what I'm calling that. The Mandarin twist. Okay. Which sounds like a drink. It probably it does. is one. Now I'm trying to picture what that would be. Delicious, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, overall, I just wanted to point out that that actually got a very high score and a very low score. But overall, 5.8 meets expectations. A little higher than I thought it would be. Well, because you gave something a 9. <laughs> I really like the Mandarin twist. That's fair. I was considering that more with, with plot structure as opposed to, um, although it is a twist, but I consider it more of a plot twist than a genre twist. And, and still, plot structure got a 3.5 for me. Um, so I probably would have been more um, in the one range yeah. like you um, if I hadn't given it a little boost for that. But I, I gave genre a three because uh, it was just so, so much of an action movie, yeah. which I, I just don't like action movies. And that's not like I feel yeah. like superhero movies, even though they have action in them, are very far from. Yeah, they're, they're different. They're very different. Um so yeah, so my, my total came to a 4.4 out of 10, which technically meets expectations, but is, is really on the, on the low side of that. It was really, um, uh, really just character outer goals that, that kept it from uh, falling below expectations. And even that only got a six out of 10. Um, yeah. So even that wasn't super high. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 
All right, so that's plot and genre. What did you think about the writing for the characters? Whew, where to begin? Um, I do think the maybe this isn't the first place to start, but it's fresh on my mind right now. And, and that is, I, I definitely think we need to talk about the character of Harley. And um, I'm kind of debating if this is something I want to ask at the very end or just bring it in now, because it is very much so about characters, but it's also a very speculative question about future movies. Uh, so, so should I ask it now or should I ask it later? It sounds like you are asking it or at least bringing it up. So. I mean, I'm bringing it, it up, but tentatively so. Go for it. Um, so there is actually a accredited role for the character of Harley, same actor, in Avengers 4. And everybody's kind of losing their minds over what does this mean? And a lot of people really think, I mean, it's, it's really hard to say because time travel almost inevitably is going to play a very prominent role in Avengers 4. So it could mean anything um but a lot of people really think that uh um that he's gonna you know tony stark is gonna retire or whatever and pass the mantle to him so so i guess my question is do you think that's likely and how would you feel if that is what happened Uh, (laughs) exactly (laughs) well on the one hand i'm not opposed to someone else becoming iron man i'm in the same boat yeah uh I mean, just from a practical standpoint, it's not like comics where you can have that same character for 50 years or whatever. Sure. But even in the comic books, they trade out pretty frequently. Okay. I think right now or in another timeline or something, there's an African-American female Iron Man. Uh, I think that might be an alternate timeline version of Iron Man. I don't quite know where that fits in, but I mean, they mix it up pretty frequently, Hmm. even in the comics. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I think it would be kind of a bummer to lose Tony Stark. You're gonna um, lose him anyway, one way or another. I mean, yeah. his contract's up, it's pretty much a given. There's no way he's gonna... Yeah, I guess, uh, handing the reins over to someone else is probably the best way to do that. And the kid is, uh, kind of a nerdy mechanic type, so... I guess Iron Man in the future is going to shoot potatoes at people or something. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to the idea of him passing on the reins to somebody. I just feel like there's so many better candidates of, like, people we've actually seen in other movies. I thought that's what he was kind of doing with Spider-Man. Exactly. So, I mean, it seems like between Spider-Man, I think uh, even Shuri from Black Panther, I think, would be a really interesting um direction that they could take is she's you know she could very easily update the suit and make it better um so some people Mm. speculate that that could be a possibility um even bruce banner having having a mecha hulk suit and and just being iron hulk or whatever even something like that would be would be better than passing it off to to some random kid we saw in one movie one time i just don't think I don't know how I feel about just yeah. having some random kid. I think it's more likely. I don't think, I don't think the reins are going to be handed down to him. I, th- I think he's obviously he's going to show up, but I think it's going to be somehow related to the time travel. Um, I don't know how, because obviously he's going to be older, you know, because it's the same actor. It's not going to be the same age as this. It's not like it's going to be time traveling back to Iron Man three. Well, this was filmed. Well, this came out in twenty thirteen. Yeah. Five years ago. 
Yeah. And he was, uh, what, 10 in this movie or something? Yeah, so he's going to look pretty different. <laughs> 15? A 15 year old Iron Man? Got a 15 year old Spider Man. They could be buddies. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There's just. <laughs> that just sounds like a. Like one of those goofy college comedy movies. Like they just smoke too much pot and like <laughs> do keg stands or something. But hey, it's uh, that'll be the the next generation of. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's just something. I know movies. it's. I know it's not really like directly related to this movie, but it is something that a lot of people are talking about, particularly in like the Reddit and other social media. Yeah sites like as soon as as soon as that imdb page came out and they saw him credited in there um there's been a lot of talk and a lot of speculation so i figured it was worth talking about i probably should have saved it to the end but oh well um it it was definitely worth talking about because it's it's a very hot topic right now or whatever um all right so now that that's out of the way (laughs) What did you think about uh, the character of Happy in this movie? That dude is so goofy. And he gets worse in each movie. He does. And he was really bad. Like, it's... Why would you put someone like that in charge of security? He's super incompetent and super goofy. He's unlikable in this movie. Like, he's just a jerk who's not even good at his job. Uh, I don't know if he was really a jerk or other than just someone who's, like... Like like a chihuahua who's trying to hang out with like uh, bulldogs or something. Like maybe. I I don't know. I don't know what I'm going for there. Uh, he didn't seem like a jerk. Just like out of. Uh, he seemed like he was. Elements. He was and, definitely. And to, oh, I don't uh, think he was out of his element at all because he was very much so on a power trip. He was very comfortable. I mean, I think he was yeah, out of his element. Maybe it was a power trip. I don't know. I think he was out of his element in that he was not qualified for the job he had, but I think he was very comfortable there. Yeah, Happy is just a just a a a goofy dude. It's just a doofus. But um, but he shouldn't be. I was actually thinking about that. That's just how the Iron Man series is. Everyone's just a doofus. I suppose. A bunch of goobers. So many of not everyone, not everyone is like this. But like like the first bad guy. Uh, the bad guy from the yeah. first movie—he was pretty cool. He was badass. The, the bad guy yeah. from the second one, uh, the the hammer dude. Yeah. That guy was just a doofus. Yeah. He was just a buffoon. So much buffoonery. Sure. I think that's what I'm going for. The, the, yeah. This, these three movies just there's a lot of buffoonery, a lot of slapstick humor, a lot of just uh, just cartoonish buffoonery. Sure. And, and Happy, I think, exemplifies that more than anyone else. Fair enough. I also didn't like that, uh, like, he was head of security of Stark Industries. Yeah. And his main job duty seemed to be stalking Pepper on behalf of Tony Stark, which is pretty gross. Uh, I don't know. It seemed like he and Tony are, like, old pals and, like, if I had a friend uh, and then like I saw his girlfriend like uh, ooing and awing over some guy's big brain, which I guess is what <laughs> happened, I'd be like, uh, hey, dude, you know what's going on here? Just a heads up. I suppose. But that's not there was some line where he specifically says like, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on Pepper, just like you said, like he specifically uh. says like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing what you told me to do. I forget. I almost wrote the line down. 
but he says something about like yeah yeah I've got my eye on her like you asked huh so I think it's more than just being a good buddy and being like hey this is weird like I think he was like stalking her and intentionally only watching her which is creepy maybe I'm reading too much into it but I did not get that impression but maybe maybe that is what's going on I also thought speaking of the scene with the the big brain um it really rubbed me the wrong way how it's uh I mean it's that trope of like like oh this nerd I used to know Ooh, he's attractive now yeah. like that in and of itself I, I knew you were gonna have a comment about it I mean it's just I mean it's tropish and stereotypical yeah, yeah, it, is. it totally is and it's also like that whole scene is like oh he used to ask me out and I was like no and then now he's like super invading her space and just being incredibly inappropriate but like it's okay because they're both attractive like apparently boundaries don't exist anymore because yep which is yep. just no you've been on reddit long enough to see i don't know what it's called but like the two the two rules or the two steps step one be attractive step two don't be unattractive <laughs> like that's there's uh, some truth to that I guess, but I don't know. And they, they went a little over the top with it. But it like was I very said, this over whole the top. Iron Man, these three movies are just kind of over the top in that way. Yeah. And I just kind of, I don't know. I guess that's the genre that it is. The uh, cartoonishly over the top. Yeah. But I, I totally get what you're saying and I agree. But yeah. It just doesn't bother you that much. He is attractive and not unattractive. So thumbs the rules. I guess. I also one of the things that I I dislike the most, and I'll try not to to complain about it too much. I already wrote a whole paper about it, so <laughs> you would think I would have gotten it out of my system by now. Uh, but with the character of Pepper Potts, I really um I really have a problem with the way she's treated in this movie. Um She's just, I mean, just every step of the way, like they'll, they'll give her a little bit of power and then take it away. And then particularly in like the final scene, just the language that they use when talking about her is, is extremely, um, just blatantly objectifying, which, um, really bothers me. And, uh, I can tell from the look on your face. Yeah, go for it. I, I have over. a response. Um, I have a response. So I think you should say your piece. All right. Well, first, I mean, it, this is there's two parts to it. The first part, um, which bothers me a little bit less um, than the objectifying, but the, um, you know, like I said, they, they give her a little bit of power and then take it away and they do it twice. They do it when they, they give her a suit and she like saves Tony and it's like, oh, cool. Like we finally see Pepper Potts in a suit. Cause, like in the comic books, she has a suit and she, I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow couldn't really pull off the energy levels to be a superhero, yep. which I which I 100% get. Um, so I'm glad they didn't go the route of trying to make her rescue or trying to make her take over. I mean, I don't think Gwyneth Paltrow would want that. I don't think Marvel fans would want that. Like, I get it. Um, but still, to, to have that little glimpse of, of giving her power and then literally ripping the suit off of her and giving it right back to Tony... And, and then, and then, like the next scene we see of her is her standing on a cliff, mourning him when she's literally just standing there all day until she gets the telephone call or whatever <laughs> through the helmet. They're yeah. like, "Oh no, actually, I'm alive." I'm like, how long was she standing there? She was literally just just standing there. And I mean, I get, I get shock. I get, I get being in grief. Like, I, I, I get it. But like, 
just standing there for hours and hours. Like it had to have been hours. <laughs> sure. Because yeah. even even the point of time between when Tony disappears and everybody thinks he's dead to the time he makes the phone call, which she still takes a little while to get. Right. It was several hours you had to before. Drag that through that suit through the snow. Yeah. Or, yeah. It was down to five percent battery. Yeah. So that was hours. It had to have been, and yeah. he had to fly all the way to Tennessee from L.A. Like that had to have taken. I don't know how fast his suit is, but it probably took a while, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, so so that was annoying that like they gave her they gave her the power with the suit, literally ripped it off, and then made her so powerless by just standing around waiting for him. Um, just really rubbed me the wrong way. And then and then we see it again where she gets the extremist virus and I guess to kick ass and and take the take the villain out, which was great. And then the response, and I and I get it's unstable. You gotta fix it. Totally on board for that. But the response is to to come up with a cure for it. When earlier, when he's like, when he's you know working with Maya to to come up with the cure, it's not to get rid of the virus. It's to stabilize it. Right. But then they don't even talk about doing that with Pepper. It's just let's just figure out a way to get rid of it. So then they just take the power away again. And then the language that they use is, is what I find, I think I find the most, and to say offensive is a little extreme. I don't think I would quite say I find it offensive, um, but I do think it's, it's worth talking about. And I do think it's, um, I mean, maybe I do find it offensive. That just seems like harsh language, but it bothers me quite a bit. Um, but just the way he talks about uh, the extremist virus and everything where um, first he says something like, uh, she's like, am I going to be okay? And, you know, he makes some joke about like, oh, you're dating me. You'll never be okay. Ha ha. Uh, but then his, his real response or whatever is like, I fix stuff. It's what I do. So it's like, okay, now she's just something for him to fix. Um, and then he also says something like, oh, I, I fixed pepper. It, it took some tinkering, but I did it. And it's like just sure. the, the language that he uses to describe doing something medical, which he probably shouldn't be able to do to begin with. <laughs> like he just describes her like she's one of his suits and he's going to tinker with it and fix mm -hmm. it. Um, which is just uh, particularly because the whole character arc of his character is like, Oh, I don't need the suits anymore. I'm going to start this life with pepper. And then he talks about her like, she's one of the suits. And I'm like, that's not better. That's worse. You're just objectifying her and turning her into a different type of distraction. Cause this whole thing was like, oh, I make all these suits as a distraction. And then he just goes to fixing quote unquote her as a, and it's just, just it's just the language that they use as, and just, it, it, I went on a longer rant than I said I would, but it just bothers me a lot. And uh, yeah, that's my rant on that. Okay. <laughs> um... So the earlier stuff with where she got the suit and then she lost the suit. Um, yeah, I think he, sh uh, I'm surprised he doesn't have some sort of backup plan. We're like, oh, Pepper, I made a special suit for you because I know that I'm going to need to rely on you. Right. Um, so I, I definitely think he should do that. But uh, again, he, well, I don't know why I said it again, but anyway, he, uh, he's just kind of, um spontaneous like that like spontaneous in a very bad way like when he just gave her the company he said like okay now you're the ceo uh and this was kind of the same thing it's like oh now you have the suit for some reason i don't know how that worked i don't know how he was able to say hey jarvis i'm gonna make the motion to get the suit 
but you know, I'm, I'm pointing at her. Yeah, so. Exactly. Like that was weird. Yeah. Um, um, so that didn't bother me too much. Uh, her just standing around like an idiot. Yeah. She's not a very active character in general. Though. But um, she's more active than that though. <laughs> like, yeah, honestly. And then the second stuff with the extremists and fixing her. Uh, yeah, you could totally interpret it that way. But I think the movie went out of its way to show that this is a bad thing. It is bad if you have this. It if is bad to the people who have it. If it's unstable. Because they explode or they just do bad things. This can only be used for bad, right? Or regrowing a limb, which I think was supposed to be the original purpose. Yeah, it was supposed to be a healing thing. Right. But she has all of her limbs. She could still get injured. It was like a recurring Yeah, it, it saved her from... from dying when she yeah. fell 200 feet into the fire um and only bad guys have this no good guys have this power and she didn't want this did she ever say she, she asked, didn't want it I, I i think she did she asked if she was going to be okay i don't think she said get this out of me maybe she I, did i don't think she said it in those words but I, it seemed to me that she did was not happy with this and it seemed to me that character would not be happy with this because that character does not seem at all adventurous or action well, no. at all. I mean, even in the comic books, her suit is specifically for the purpose of, like, search and rescue. <laughs> she's called yeah. Rescue. So, I mean, even in the comic books, she's not take out the bad guys kind of superhero. Right. And, and Gwyneth Paltrow, like I said, she does not have the energy. <laughs> even in this movie, like, the scenes where she was supposed to be really high yeah. energy, it's like, man, it doesn't quite land. Um, which we'll get more into in the next category. Yeah. But um, so, so I get and, it from that perspective. It just, yeah. there's just enough things that pile up on each other. Um, and it's really mostly the way, I mean, I have a little bit of issue with the way um, the character of Maya is treated as well. Um, but she was more of like the stock. Oh, you think she's good and then she's bad and then she's dead, like on the fence villain. Like she seems a little more archetypical. So having some of those more archetypical uh traits I guess didn't really it didn't seem gendered in one way or the other she just seemed like an archetypical character yeah she's the henchman exactly henchman number 17 yeah so so her character I felt like was, was pretty decent um so so when I say I said at the beginning that I, I took issue with with the way the female characters were treated I guess what I really meant is is just with the way Power Poss was treated yeah uh, last thing I just wanted to say about the whole fixing her thing. Yeah. Yeah, he did say that because he's a mechanic and he sees it as fixing a problem, just like he fixed his own heart. And then at the end of this movie, I think he even said that he fixed himself as well. And then he like had those doctors pulling out shrapnel from his heart and he got rid of the arc reactor, I guess. Sure, yeah. So I think that's just how he views things, even his own body, even his own self is to fix it so i don't think it's objectifying her any more than he objectifies himself or any problem that can be solved i suppose i don't know if it was just if it, if it was just the line of like oh i'll fix you it's what i do or whatever the exact line was i think it's something very similar to that yeah. it probably wouldn't bother me but then combined with the like oh i fixed her it just took some tinkering like, I think that the word, the use of the word tinkering particularly bothers me because it's just so mechanical. You don't tinker with people. Doctors don't tinker. He does. He's not even a doctor. He does with himself, his own body, his own heart. 
which I would argue probably shouldn't even be able to do. Like he's not a doctor, he's an engineer. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I can see how that would sound like objectifying, but I don't think it's objectifying her any more than he objectifies anyone, including himself or anything that is or can be looked at as a problem that can be solved with mechanical know-how. I suppose. Does he specifically say, I fixed myself? I don't, I, I don't know if those are the exact words, but he did, yeah. he did say something like that, because mm. I knew this was going to come up, because I remember when you wrote that paper, and <laughs> when it came up, just while the two of us were hanging out. Yeah. It still bothers me. I feel like it could have been, I don't know. Or maybe if they had emphasized that more throughout the rest of the movie instead of just throwing it into the, like, the final scene, that type of language. Like if he, sure. I don't know, if it had been more of a recurring theme. I don't know. It still bothers me. I hold to it. Sure. <laughs> One thing I really liked, and I don't know if it's character arcs or development or likability, I guess it's all uh, a lot of them, is that like you pointed out earlier, there's less Iron Man and more Tony Stark. Yeah. And I really like Tony Stark. And he even refers to himself as, like, the mechanic. Like, he's he's a nerd who builds things and fixes things and invents things and tinkers with things and people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I really like seeing that. And I like how he, he had to outsmart people, like you mentioned in the fight um, at the bar. Uh, so it was, it was really neat seeing that. I liked seeing that. And I like how a lot of it was dealing with what happened in New York. Yes. And not, uh, I mean, he had to deal with the PTSD from that, which was good. But then, like, it changes his, his whole character and his whole development. And we're going to see that in future movies that, like, his, it, his perspective is totally different. It's not just, like, driving fast cars and... Uh, you know, banging hot chicks and, and whatever. It's like, there's crazy stuff out there and and they're coming to get us. Yeah. And I gotta, I, I, I'm the only one who can protect us. I'm the only one who can save us. So I, I gotta, I gotta do this. Yeah. Um, and that is really neat to see. I agree. I like, uh, I do like the way his character changes um, pretty much in all the exact ways you said. Um, the one part that, that kind of, bothered me a little bit is when he starts monologuing to Pepper about his PTSD. Um, I didn't write down, I should have written down um, a little bit of like what he said because I don't remember. Um, but it's when she comes down, it might have been um, when he's in the suit and then she goes to the basement and he's like controlling the oh, suit yeah. and then they have like the whole conversation and just out of nowhere he starts talking about like you know, I don't sleep. I just build things. I, I keep saying I'm okay, but I'm not okay. And he just gives this monologue about how he's not okay. And it just felt really uh, like it came out of nowhere. And he just started like spilling his soul, which is super uncharacteristic. And it, I just felt like there was no lead up. And it was just like, all of a sudden, he decided it was time to start talking about this. And like, she didn't press him to talk about it. It just... Yeah. Out of nowhere, he starts monologuing, and it went on for a while, and it just felt really, um, really out of place, and and just really out of character, because um, he didn't even make any like sarcastic comments or any jokes or you know there was nothing. It was just 
here, let me tell you everything that's going wrong in my life right now and, and everything that's that's happening, um, which was information we we needed, but I feel like there had to have been a more natural way or at least like maybe like a, a more, you know, a little piece here, a little piece there instead of just spilling it all at once or if she had pressed him a little bit to be like, I know you're not sleeping. You want to tell me what's going on? Right. Or the scene where he has the nightmare and then the, the suit comes in instead of her just being like, I'm going downstairs to sleep. This is too much. <laughs> instead of that, yeah. she could have been like, do you want to tell me what's going on? Like, this is the fifth time this week you've had a nightmare. I think it's time you start telling me about it. Right. That would have been much more natural instead of her being like, I know you just told me about all this PTSD you have, but my goodness, this is too much. <laughs> I'm going downstairs. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That was That was kind of weird that it just... He went from, you know, normal Tony Stark to exposition. Yeah. Exposition time, I guess. Yeah. I guess they had to get that out of the way so they could get to the action. I suppose. I mean, like I said, it was information that we needed, so I guess it's good they got it out. I just feel like there was a more natural way. Like, if she had prepped, like I said, she, if she just pressed him for the information yeah, instead of just right, all right. of a sudden, Yeah. I don't know. Um, so there is there is one character we haven't talked too much about and that we talked about quite a bit in the second Iron Man review um, and that's Rhodes so what did you think about um, the transition from, from War Machine to Iron Patriot and, and seeing Rhodes outside of the suit as well um, what did you think about that I guess <laughs> I thought it was interesting that they uh, rebranded him yeah. and then he even said like oh, that was, that was, it was a little much War Machine was a little much yeah. Iron Patriot Oh, that, it it tested well better. with audiences. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. That, that's right. That's exactly what he said. It tested yeah. well with audiences. Um, I thought that was uh, pretty funny. And then, like, even within the universe, like, people were making fun of it. Like, yeah. oh, I think it was Joan Rivers. Said, yeah. Oh, they're, they're calling him uh, Iron Patriot in case the bright red and white, <laughs> bright, bright red, white, and blue paint wasn't, uh, was too subtle. Right. Uh, I thought that was really funny. I agree. Um, and, and it kind of reminded me of how in the beginning of the second one, when they recast him, and like the first yeah. thing he sees, or the first thing he says, and the first thing we see is him saying, it's me, I'm here, deal with it. Right. And then, and then it just goes on. Like, yeah. that's it, that's all we need to say. We've addressed it, move on. Yeah. And I kind of got the same feeling. And I, I, I really like that. That was a, a fun little moment to the movie. I agree, I liked it too. So do you still think uh, is... Uh... Is Iron Patriot as much of a, a shitty version of Iron Man as War Machine, or has he found redemption in that regard? <laughs> yeah, I must have really gone on about that. You really did kind of a bit. Uh, I mean, the name is less ab uh, less obnoxious to me. Uh, Iron Patriot, I guess, is better. Um, I don't. I, yeah, we don't see him do as much. Just like Tony Stark and Iron Man, it's it's more Rhodes than Iron yeah. Patriot. And he is more kick-ass than yeah. Tony Stark. Well, I guess I guess Tony Stark got to be pretty badass in the when he was taken down the whatever in Miami. But when it was the two of them the together. Magic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um yeah, Rhodes Rhodes was pretty cool. He was pretty badass in this one. I agree. Um, I do like the uh the exchange where they're talking about the guns and it's like yeah. you know tony stark is like like oh well of course i couldn't hit the light we're too far away to hit that with pistols and then 
Rose just shoots it right away. He's like, well, and then they're having this conversation about ammo. He's like, I'm out. Can you give me some? He's like, I don't have any for your gun. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, that was pretty entertaining. Yeah, that was really funny. Um, Although I think shouldn't Tony Stark, the weapons dealer, know about that? But uh, anyway. I mean, he was he was more like bombs and rocket launchers than pistols. So, you know, maybe it fell under the radar. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the smallest of the plot holes. <laughs> what did you think about the main villain? Uh, Killian? Aim, the nerd. Yeah, um, he was okay. He was about, about what I would expect. I certainly liked him more than... Uh, hammer in iron man 2 like way more at least he seemed competent yeah um and he definitely had a a pretty good balance of uh competence and intelligence mixed with sleaze and and sinisterness um which i think a lot of that comes with with the performance uh more so than the writing but it's probably a combination of both um i don't know he didn't really stand out one way or the other like he was he was was a fine villain i guess um Still definitely falls, for me at least, under the uh, the more forgettable Marvel villains, for sure. Oh, yeah. I, to be honest, I completely forgot about him. Yeah. <laughs> me too. He's um, just yeah. forgettable. And, and I'm still not entirely sure what he does or what he's going after. Like, I know the hammer yeah. guy was, like, a weapons manufacturer. Right. And I know that Obadiah, in the first movie, was, you know... A weapons manufacturer who was the head of Stark Industries. But this guy, uh, something with science? Something with military? Right, he had a... Something with the uh, that other scientist chick? Yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure... Yeah, I wasn't uh, exactly sure. Yeah. I wasn't sure what he was trying to do, and I wasn't sure, like, yeah, like, who he worked for. I mean, I guess he worked for himself. He was a... Uh, yeah. The... the brain tank is that what it's that's not what it's called what is it think tank think tank there we go thank you yeah like yeah the, they referred to his think tank a few times yeah which i guess just consisted of of maya and her research that he just like took from wherever she was at uh, in yeah. 1999 um but then how was he in a position to get this data and deal with it in the late 90s well he contacted her but then was she just an independent researcher that then got in contact with it? Yeah, there's yeah, a lot uh, of... There's... Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure. And, like, I don't know what his end goal was. Like, it was, it didn't seem right. like he was like, oh, we're going to make super soldiers and, you know, sell this technology to the military. Like, that That would be a typical right, make money. villain. Right. And it didn't seem i mean they had mentioned you said at the beginning like just like oh we're gonna be i'm gonna make money from terrorism and i'm gonna make money from anti-terrorism or whatever was it really making money exactly i don't think he was because even like the the quote unquote terrorism wasn't even terrorism it was just accidents within the research that he had to cover up and so he invented this whole like terrorist organization that that didn't exist and that wasn't making him any money it, it was very confusing yeah I, I i thought the casting was great and the actor did a great job yeah i don't know where this guy came from or what he's trying to do right or uh yeah i, I, I don't know yeah i'm with you 
Did anything else? Did, did anything else stand out for uh, the character writing? Uh, I think that's about it. I have a couple other little notes, but I don't think they're anything super important. So I think I'm just good. <laughs> uh, how about you? Anything else? Uh, no. It was uh, right around meets expectations for everything. Yeah. And the the. The things that bumped it up were basically Tony Stark being Tony Stark. That seems about right for me, too. Everything was was between a 4 and a 5, except for character likability, which I gave a 6.5, um, which was largely um, comparing this one with Iron Man 2, where all of these characters that we liked from Iron Man 1 suddenly we hated because they were obnoxious. <laughs> and except for Happy, uh, I felt like they did a good job of making them likable again. Yeah. Um, so I bumped it up um, for that reason. And then character inner needs, I gave a six out of 10 um, because I really liked the, um, like we were saying with Tony Stark and his, uh, how his character changed and, and the, the PTSD and his, his inner right. need of, of protecting the world and, and overcoming his, his demons. Um, so I liked that. It would have been higher, but because every other character it was hard enough figuring out their outer goals and all their inner motivations. Yeah. Um, so, so that's why it still was capped at a six instead of getting into the exceeds expectations range. Um, so for all of that, the total came out to a, a 5.2 out of 10, which is pretty much right in the middle of meets expectations, um, which honestly still seems a little bit high to me. Um, but I think it's really the, the character likability that pushes it up. Because yeah. it was a pretty lackluster category for me, and, and I had a lot of issues, as you yeah. heard. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, I got a five point four for me. Okay, very close. Um, yeah, like I said, basically the only good things were Tony Stark being Tony Stark, and it lost a little bit because the villain was there was just too many too many unknowns. Yeah, and not like like mysterious, cool unknowns, or like right. this is too complex for human minds to understand. Or it was just like, uh, he's a bad guy because he's a bad guy. Sure. Yeah. Um. So I guess that's gonna bring us into the the next category then, which is gonna be acting and casting. I don't have much to say about this one. I think the guy that they cast to be. The main bad guy? Uh, <laughs> it's it's particularly funny because his name is Guy Pierce. <laughs> oh, okay. Guy, guy Pierce. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job. I thought he did he did a pretty good job as well. I thought that was good casting. He uh, seemed like a like a like a smart business dude who, like you said, had that right mix of uh, sinisterness. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was he was sinister and uh, I forgot what the other word I used was. Uh, I had a good word and it's gone. It's, it's earlier yeah. in the in the review. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought that was really good. Um, everything else was uh, eh, pretty standard. I did think, um, I just have a couple of notes within this category. Um, we kind of already touched on this, but I definitely um, knocked down the acting categories a little bit. Um, because high action Gwyneth Paltrow was just not great. Yeah, that's weird. It's yeah, and particularly like the fight scenes at the end, I I didn't bother me as much. Um, but well, even just yeah, it was like two seconds. Well, yeah, it was in a slow lot. motion, it was two seconds. <laughs> but I think it's more um more the dialogue that she has when she's you know in a high action scene, like when she's like 
you know, when, when she thinks Tony's yeah. dead, she's like, Tony! And, like, <laughs> it, it practically is as bad as I just did right there. Like, it's, she just has a bad delivery when she's trying to be intent. Like, she's, she's a great actor. Like, I, yeah. as, as much as she annoys me as a person, like, don't get me started. <laughs> but I think she picks good roles, and I think she, um, she, she has a good presence. That presence is just very subdued and very... Yeah. Uh, droll and uh exhausted is a word that gets thrown around yes. a lot between us at least it is perfect for playing someone who has to deal with tony stark every day exactly um but not so perfect for somebody in in danger for their lives or um and even even when she wasn't speaking when it was like you know when she was writhing around with the extremis thing and it's like the just the hologram of her like even her facial expressions there it was just like yeah she looks like an actor trying to act like she's in pain like it didn't really there's just something that i i found not super believable like it's, there's just yeah. something about her when she's in those high action moments um and i think it does just come down to action like it's not an emotional thing she's great at, at getting emotion across um but it's just that high energy does not equate um so we lost some points there um but it kind of evened out because as much as i hate precocious kids and as much as i did not really yeah. care too much for the character of harley um that little kid is great like he's an amazing little actor yeah, um I, I begrudgingly agree with that because i cannot stand precocious Kids. yeah you hate them more than me and i don't love them um so yeah, for sure. Like I could have done without that character and uh, just kind of didn't. And as far as precocious kids go, I will say he was on the lower end of obnoxious. <laughs> like it wasn't his character yeah. in Jurassic World, if I recall, is much worse as far as the precociousness goes. I think I've only seen that movie once. Um, but I recall being super annoyed by his character in that movie. Um, but the same kind of thing. I'm like, well, at least he's a really good actor. It makes it a little more bearable. Yeah um but yeah but like his his facial expressions and just the, the physicality of his acting um and even his line deliveries i thought were really solid um particularly for someone so young so so that definitely kind of even helped with that acting of gwyneth paltrow in the higher action scenes um so those are my two big notes there um and then another thing that i didn't love is uh which it was just has to be more of a, a directing choice from um, Shane Black as opposed to a Robert Downey Jr. choice but his his hand movements throughout the movie are so extreme and he's he's always oh, yeah. he's always done it like especially when he's like using technology and he like you know throws his hands up or pushes things across the room right. you know he's always done that but it was just such an extreme in this movie and like every time he puts on a suit he does like a Jesus on the cross move yeah. motion and like it's so extreme and there's one scene where it's like almost is like an I dream of genie thing like he folds his arms in front of him and then throws his arms I out know exactly what scene you're talking about he's like yeah. sitting on top of a box or something yeah files of where all the explosions happen mm -hmm. exactly yeah. and it's like I, I thought the same thing. yeah and it's just it's so over the top and it really um it really bothered me so my um I knocked it down under face acting which I still need to <laughs> reword it to, to physical acting or something of that nature because it's pretty much just anything that's not line delivery at this point um but it just it was so distracting and it was so silly and it really felt um cartoony or something um so that definitely um came into play with this category for me 
Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much my thoughts. There were some some lows, some highs. It all yeah. balanced out. For me, it balanced out to a perfect 5.0 out of 10. Okay, uh, before, there, there was one oh. more thing I wanted oh, to know, sorry. Um, how did you feel about, not the character necessarily, but just specifically the acting of, of ben, ben Kingsley as either um, Mandarin or Trevor, whatever his last name was, the, the doofish actor? Uh, yeah, it seemed, seemed pretty good, believable, I guess. I don't know. All right. Because I did something about his performance, just kind of both as like when he was Mandarin, he had like the American accent. Um, there was still something there that just sort of, um, I can't quite put my finger on what it was, but something about his line deliveries just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and then once it's once it's revealed that he's an actor and he's not really the Mandarin or whatever, um, then it really, um, I, I couldn't couldn't stand <laughs> like I, I love like I was saying with the last category I love that twist I like yeah. that within plot structure I thought that was really interesting um but then just the the super um slapstick isn't the right word but just that that's a very I, specific type of humor yes that's the humor that I think the Iron Man franchise goes for which I cannot stand it's just I, in in small bits yeah. and pieces maybe but like it just, I didn't find it funny, and it, it was so laid on so thick, and um, yeah, I just didn't love. And even though I'm certain it was a combination of the writing and directing, like I don't, I don't blame Ben Kingsley for the things I dislike. Yeah, um, it, hmm. yeah I know what you mean. It's that kind of humor where you could throw in some like cartoon sounds, and it would fit perfectly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the last thing of no, and I know he's um, a a part of the movie that gets discussed pretty extensively. That's one of the biggest uh, topics of this. Just just the Mandarin character in general um, yeah. gets talked about quite a bit. So I wanted to make sure we covered that and just um, get your take on it. Uh, but yeah, I, I that definitely affected my score. Um, so what did you say your total was again? 5.0 for acting. Mine was actually quite a bit higher for all of those things I was saying that I didn't like. Um, there were still quite a bit of things that I, I really liked, um, particularly within like face acting, which I gave an 8 out of 10, and, and casting. I, I scored pretty significantly. I gave 8.5 out of 10 for both casting categories. Um, so the total for me came out to a 7.3, which exceeds expectations. Um, so there were definitely, it would have scored quite a bit higher if not for those um, those things of note that I mentioned already, um, but still exceeds expectations. I still thought it was a fairly strong category within the grid. Uh, just a few things that I had issue with. Okay. All right. So that sounds uh, like we covered acting and casting. Uh, cinematography and lighting. I don't have much to say about this. I don't have much to say about this, and I don't know how much of that is because of the cinematography and lighting. Or how much is because I was just kind of tired of watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and yeah, I don't know why. For some reason, this this movie just didn't resonate with me very much. I didn't really notice anything that stood out as super awesome or super great or super bad or terrible. I had a hard time scoring this one. Uh, I did bump the uh, the overall lighting score up a little bit because I think that the Iron Man movies do 
a pretty good job of having things that are in a scene that are under spotlights and things that are in shadows at the same time. I mean, not the same object, obviously, but uh, I, I don't know. It seems like there's some attention to lighting other than just having everything evenly lit. Sure, yeah. And I think this, the Iron Man movies, in my mind, when I'm watching it, at least it seems like they do that better than others. So I bumped it up a little bit for that. But other than that, I really don't have anything to say about cinematography. All right, I'm pretty much in the uh, pretty much in the same boat. Um, I gave overall lighting and mood both a six out of ten. Um, I thought it it looked fine and it set the mood fairly well, but didn't do anything to to go above and beyond or exceed my expectations in any way. Um, and then beauty and realism, both of those, I gave a six point five out of ten uh, because I thought it did a, a particularly good job of of looking really nice and of of maintaining that sense of realism that I think the Iron Man movies, um, particularly yeah. the first one, has always done really well. Uh, you know, it feels like this is our world and these superheroes happen to exist in it. Um, so I thought it did a, a pretty good job of of maintaining both. The, the beauty and the realism um, not outstanding but still exceeds expectations so so 6.5 for those two and then storytelling was a five it didn't really do anything um, aside from setting the mood it really didn't do anything particularly awesome within uh, storytelling either so so yeah pretty much pretty much the same as you not a not a ton to say overall but everything looks pretty good um, definitely nothing stood out as, as being bad. Um, so, so my total uh, averaged out to to an even six, actually, which uh, technically exceeds expectations, um, but is is at the very very end of that. Yeah, and for me, it came out to five point four meets expectations. That sounds sounds about right to me. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so that's going to bring us to a category which I gave much higher scores overall to, and that's going to be cinematography camera work. I do have to say, this has, I think, the most blatant and funny product placement I've seen <laughs> in all of the MCU so far. Yeah. There is a scene in the back of that dude's van. That sounds weird. Let me start. There's a scene... <laughs> Where Tony Stark uh, sneaks into, what is it, like a news van or something? I think so. For some reason. I don't know why that's there. But anyway, uh, he sneaks into there and then like his like number one fan, Tony Stark's number one fan shows up and shows him his tattoo and all that. And like yeah. how he has his, his, uh, uh, his facial hair is same same as Tony Stark. And, and there's a scene where Tony Stark grabs him by the shoulders and like, puts him off to the side of the screen so that, you know, the, the, the other guy is on the side of the screen. Tony Stark is in the center. And then behind Tony Stark is like, like what looks like a server rack or some, some, you know, computer hardware stuff. And right there, like, like in a perfect line, if you were to line them <laughs> up from like, from, from like the other guy's face to Tony's face and, and like draw a line through there, and it's like perfectly lit and it's it's like perfectly like golden ratio of the edges <laughs> and it, it's it's like in every way that you could frame this it is sun oracle <laughs> right there and, and and that product placement is first of all 
very few people even know what those companies are or what they do or and, and no one's gonna like go out and buy that product it's not like coca-cola like oh man i'm so thirsty for coca-cola <laughs> no one's like oh man i gotta go buy some oracle uh, server licenses or whatever sure uh, but that was just so over the top and so jarring and weird to see. <laughs> I don't know if that's even a positive or a negative. I don't even know how to score that. I don't know. I, I can't tell you that. Other than that, I don't think I have anything to say about this category. Oh, really? I thought this movie actually, um, for as much as I, I disliked a lot of things going on in this movie, um, I thought the camera work was actually... Uh, one of the stronger points in the movie. Uh, even things like the action scenes, which definitely went on for too long for my yeah. taste. Uh, but there was some really, uh, really cool camera work going on. Uh, yeah. Even things like, I'm a sucker for the slow motion as long as it's not overused, which I don't feel like it was in this movie for the most part. But things right. like um, when the when the house explodes and they're all flying backwards and then he oh, yeah. puts the suit on Pepper and then like you know, she grabs them and whatever, like that whole scene. I thought had some really great camera work going on. Um, and then again, in the final fight scene, we see some stuff. Um, it gets a little more standard in the final fight scene, but there are a few shots that stand out um, where it's the same kind of like slow motion That's true. type thing. Yeah. Um, so, so I really like that. And then even just some of the, some of the mise-en-scene, like when, when he's in the payphone. <laughs> I try not to make a face when I say it. I did good that time, and then you made me laugh. Um, but even things like uh, when he's dragging in the Iron Man suit, yeah, it's like the yeah, yeah, you know good. the bird's eye view, and it's he's really small. Like I love that shot. And then when he's um, talking in the payphone, and we see like the Iron Man suit kind of slumped over, almost like yeah. a unused doll in a kid's room or something. And then he's on the payphone. We can't really see him, but we can see the Iron Man suit really well. Um, things like that. Like I thought just the the compositions within those scenes and the the way the way he's able to direct our eye to certain things I thought was really well done. That's, Even though yeah, that's true. Like I said, the action scenes definitely went on for, for too long for my tastes, but that's really much more of, of editing and writing. Um and of course directing, which is just a combination of everything within the grid. Um but um, aside from the fight scenes going on for too long, I thought there were some really great action scenes, um, cinematography wise. So, so I liked a lot of the, um, you know, the camera movement and the, the slow motion and the, the mise-en-scene at times. Um, so I thought there was actually quite a bit of, of, uh, just, just interesting things going on within the camera work. Okay. That's true. I did, I did give it a slightly higher score for camera movement because I think, that the Iron Man movies are really, really good about that. Yeah. I mean, it's a guy who flies around and blows stuff up. So that's like, you have to be good at that. And, right. and I think they do a really good job of that. I'm going to actually bump it up a little bit because okay. uh, like you mentioned, they, there are a few scenes where it slows, slows down a bit. And uh, I, I, I forgot about that, but when I watched it, I did, it did seem very desolate and lonely when he was dragging that, Iron yeah. Man suit. It's like, you know, when it's 3 a.m. and you're dragging your buddy home from the bar or something. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it is funny because that's really boring if you think about it. Yeah. Like he's standing in a phone booth talking on a payphone. Right. And you can barely even see him. And, and it shows that shot for several seconds. And, and yeah. It, it did stand out. 
And, and they, they did make it interesting, despite how boring that activity actually is. Sure, yeah. And, and I'm glad they had that in the movie, and I think they did it well. So I, I bumped it up a little bit for that. That's All right. That's a good point. All right. Um, one of the things that I, I didn't like quite as much, and it's hard to tell with this one if it was more the way it was edited or the way it was shot, um, but there's the scene towards the beginning of the movie where he's he's putting on the suit and it's like the first time he's trying the suit where it like flies and and goes on them and uh, well first of all that scene went on for too long which is definitely the editing i mean he's like dancing and doing weird stuff and the stupid christmas music which <laughs> ugh, um so i have an issue to begin with, like just from the start of that scene i'm already kind of irritated so i'm like why am i sitting here watching this guy dance to christmas music um, but then even when like the, the suits fly in and it's assembling with yeah. like, it should be a, a really cool scene. And then they just really played up the slapsticky yeah. comedy, which, which again, like already that's setting me up to be like, I'm just kind of annoyed with this, but then it felt so derivative of the, the first time we see him in the suit in the first movie where, you know, he's like, Oh, put it up to 10%. And he flies up and hits the wall. And right. it was like, Whoa, and like almost hitting walls. Like it was, it was very much so that scene yeah. a little different, but also basically the same, um, which I, it's, it's hard to tell. Um, like I said, how much of it was the way it was shot that made me remind, like reminded me of that other scene so much and, and how much was the way it was edited. And, and obviously a lot of it comes from the script. So it's, it's one of those things that, um, comes into play in a couple different categories um but i thought it was the camera work that that really um both played up the silliness and um, had just the same energy of that yeah. earlier scene um so i kind of docked it a little bit within the cinematography camera work section um but like i said this is still um still a really high um, category for me with this movie I think it's it's one of the strongest points in this movie it's it might be kind of boring the action scenes definitely go on way too long for yeah. my taste uh, but it, it looks really good and, and a lot of it some of it comes with the lighting as well like I, I just think it's um, visually appealing as far as my personal taste go a lot of people disagree with me um, as far as uh, particularly once you get into the the digital Marvel movies, which Avengers was the first one, and this is the second one that that was not shot on film. Um, and I tend to to really like the way it looks, and a lot of people have have a lot of issues with it. So it's kind of divisive amongst the the more technical Marvel fans, I suppose. Um, but particularly this one, I thought it it looked really nice. Um, so yeah, I kind of forgot where I was going with that, but I guess I guess just in general. I thought the camera work was was really nice. Like it's just I now I remember what I was trying to say. It's it's just a it's a aesthetically pleasing movie, even if it is boring because of the plot and and just the script in general um, yeah. doesn't fit with what I want to see in a Marvel movie. Um, but it looks good to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so is there anything else you want to add for camera work? No, I think that product placement rant. <laughs> uh was was quite enough all right yeah so what was your final score then for camera work my final score was 5.8 out of 10 really wow mine was an 8.2 uh which is pretty much by far the the highest scoring category for me and the only category within the grid for this movie to to dip into the outstanding range as opposed to 
um, either meets expectations or or exceeds expectations. Um, I really I, I thought the camera work was was pretty impressive and, and very aesthetically pleasing for for my tastes. Okay. Yeah, this is also tied with plot and genre for my highest. Really? Yeah. That's funny because plot and genre was my lowest. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I was paying that much attention when watching it this movie. <laughs> I think I zoned out a few times. Yeah. So uh, the next category is editing and special effects. Uh, this one, I just put fives for every subcategory. Okay. I, uh, like I said, I am sure I zoned out and missed a few things. Well, actually, I'm going to change it right now. Special effects. I'm going to bump that up a bit because I thought the uh, the magma people. I keep calling them that. They're not magma monsters. I mean, they are magma <laughs> monsters. They're uh, extremists. Extremists. That just sounds like extremities. A bunch of arms and legs. I'm just going to keep calling them magma monsters. <laughs> I mean, extremists isn't even what the people are called. That's whatever they're infected with is called. And I keep saying infected. I don't know if they call, consider it a virus or if it's, I don't know what they consider it. In any case, um, I gave special effects a, a pretty high score. Um, I gave it 8.5 out of 10 because I thought the, and this this kind of ties in with the camera work as far as action scenes go. Um, even though the, the pace of the action scenes, like I keep reiterating probably too many times was, <laughs> was much too long. Um, I thought the the special effects were were pretty cool and, and really um, just, just looked really good and, and probably the the well the first iron man had had some surprisingly good special effects i think because so much of it was practical yeah. um but this is definitely some of the best special effects especially aside from the suit that we've seen in in uh, the iron man franchise at least so far um so i thought that that was was really good uh, one thing that i do have to note uh right off the top um it was a little better than iron man 2 which i believe only had one and i went on quite the rant um but this was another iron man movie that had wipe transitions which uh, <laughs> i just don't like. mean if they're used consistently enough i'm a little more willing to forgive it and and i think it was used like about once an act i feel like um, or maybe a little bit more. Maybe it was four or five times in total throughout the movie. And just every time I'm like, ugh, wipe transition. It's just... That's really weird that it seems like that's one of those things that either you go for it or you don't go for exactly, it Exactly, exactly. So was there, did you notice like a pattern to when they used it? Like, was it, okay, we're done with act one, now it's act two? I don't think it was or... act breaks. At least one of them was... Uh, Iron Man flew up and then the wipe like followed him up. It was a, an upward okay. wipe, I guess. Um, but I don't, I don't think they all followed him flying. I think some of them were more random. Um, but I, I didn't note that specifically, so I'm not sure. Um, I just know I did not like them. And it was used, I didn't uh, mark off as many points as I did for, for Iron Man 2, which I only noticed one in which which really bothered me. I felt like it was consistent enough that it was more of a stylized choice, even though I just like it. Uh, but I mean, unless you're a Star Wars movie or you were made <laughs> between like 1970 and 1985, like you can't get away with wipe transitions. 
or if you're a home video. Like that's, yeah. you, you just, you can't. Windows Movie Maker, man. I mean, that's what it feels like. It <laughs> just, you just can't, you can't get away with it. And yeah, you just can't. I. And and it I, does seem kind of amateurish. And I feel like the idea is probably like, well, it's a comic book movie. It'll feel like turning a page. But it's not done consistently enough for it to feel that way. Yeah. And some of them aren't even like side swipes. Like I said, the first one I noticed was a an up wiper. I don't think that's, I don't know if that's what it's called, but it slid up. I guess it's a slide as opposed to a wipe. Um, so it wasn't even like turning a page-ish. Um, so yeah, that was something I noticed that I didn't love. Um I also, this is something I put within the editing, um, which I guess is fair. I don't really know. It's one of those things that like doesn't really affect the movie as a whole, but it definitely bothered me, kind of like the, the end credit scene in Avengers. It was like, well, this doesn't really affect anything, but it's still awful. Um, I did not love the end credits of this movie. Um, it just felt uh, really, uh, like it, it looked oh, fine, yeah. But tonally, it was it it didn't fit with the rest of the movie. It felt more like something that would be maybe at the end of an Ant Man movie or or something of that nature. Like it felt very um, like sixties or seventies spy movie or something of that nature. Like even the music they used was really like jazzy in a way that Iron Man music isn't usually, um, and just seemed maybe. I don't, jazzy might not be quite the right word, but a little more upbeat. During the credits themselves? During the credits themselves. Okay, I thought you were talking about the MC. Oh, no, not the... The credits themselves. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, because that music is the only music that really stood out to me, which we'll get to later, I guess. And not the Christmas music? Oh, yeah, Um, that's true. Yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, But yeah, so just the whole end credit... Um, not in credit scene, but just that the end credits themselves, um, the style didn't fit. Uh, it didn't feel like it belonged within the same genre of the movie we just watched. Like it didn't feel like an action movie end credit scene. Yeah. Or I keep saying scene um, end credits, I guess. And it didn't feel like a superhero thing. Um, it just really felt out of place. And just the, um, it was mostly the editing, but the music also played. Um, played a big part in it. It just um, rubbed me the wrong way, and was it was an odd way to conclude not just the movie but the trilogy. Um, it yeah. seemed it seemed like an odd choice to go with something that so tonally did not fit. Which is doubly odd because if you look at the visuals, it seems from all three movies. Exactly, it was very much so concluding the trilogy. Yeah. Um, I think it might have even. I wasn't paying that much attention. Did it have? Did it credit people from other movies, or was uh, it just? I don't know. I don't remember. I feel like I noticed that when I was watching it before. That could be completely wrong, though. I don't remember now. That might be a different movie I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, regardless, it, it very much so felt like it was. It was wrapping up this trilogy, but it did so in such an odd way because it just so tonally did not fit um so anyways i've gone on for much longer than i really needed to on that note but that was definitely something that affected the overall editing for me because it just um didn't seem to fit which i still i still gave overall editing a 4.5 out of 10 um and it would have been probably in the 6.5 to 7.5 range because of all the things that i really liked but between those between the wipes and the end credits 
Um, you know, I didn't feel like those were enough to make the overall editing fall below expectations. So I, I capped it at the, at the lowest end of meets expectations and gave it a 4.5, which was the lowest um, subcategory within editing for me. So what was your overall score for editing? My overall score for editing uh, is another even six. Okay. I actually bumped mine up a bit uh, because of something you said, but I don't remember what those things were. Movement, maybe? No, that was a camera stuff. Well, anyway, I bumped it up a bit. Or special effects. I, I remember yeah. saying you bumped up special effects. That was before I even said anything. I think you mentioned that. Anyway, <laughs> um, I bumped one of the subcategories up a bit, and so the total for editing is 5.8, meets expectations. Very close to mine. All right. Now, so that's going to bring us to uh, the next category, which is going to be sound. As we've mentioned uh, several times, I hate the Christmas music, and score and soundtrack took a pretty big hit. <laughs> I gave yeah. it I gave it a 4 out of 10, which goes below expectations. I would have gone with probably a probably a two maybe a three um the only thing that that kept it from falling below a four was um some of the stuff in the score i thought was um a little better than some of the music we've heard in other iron man movies it had a little hint of the avengers um not necessarily the avengers theme but just it had more of that tone um so it had a little bit of a more uh a little higher energy and a little more epicness um, so that kind of saved it, but uh, yeah, the Christmas music, big, big, uh, big hit for me. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, the lowest category for me by quite a bit, and it's tied. Uh, the score and soundtrack is tied with plot structure with one point out of ten. Wow, I uh, did not expect you to go lower than me on that one. Yeah, I know you were talking about how you gave it a really big hit because you're so tired of the Christmas music and it was what, 4.5 or something? Four. Four? Okay. It's still, yeah. I still kept it at below expectations. Yeah. I thought, was... I thought the score was decent though. I hated the Christmas music, yeah. but the score was decent, except for the end credits. The score, I, I didn't even notice it, mm. to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I didn't I didn't even notice it. That's fair. Like I'm, said, I'm not was... arguing you're one. I hated the music. <laughs> But, but that's but, not the only reason why. Part of it okay. was the Christmas music, which I did not like, but I keep forgetting it. But I think it's because I also kind of worked in retail briefly. And so, like, I, I got pretty skilled at tuning it out. Yeah. Not noticing it uh, for, like, two or three months at a time. <laughs> so I can go uh, two hours. Um, but also, Tony Stark and Iron Man have a certain sound. Yeah. And... I didn't hear any of the songs that reminded me of the songs that I heard in Iron Man 1, which to me is as iconic as seeing uh, his arc reactor in his chest. I agree, yeah. And I expected to hear that. And if I don't hear that, you lose a lot. Yeah, fair enough. And so that's why it got, I, I was unsatisfied. That was unsatisfactory. It got a 1 out of 10. And it also lost a little bit for storytelling. And I think it's because just like seeing the heroic pose, this kind of movie to me needs a heroic uh, crescendo. I think okay. that's the, the right musical term. Like 
you would know more like than a, me. Like a call to arms <laughs> or like a call to action. Or, sure. And I did not notice that, which again, I think I may have zoned out a little bit here and there. Yeah. Um, but I did not notice that. And that like the heroic pose is something that I expect from uh, a superhero movie. Fair enough. Uh, so I think that's actually about all I have to say about sound. Most of my, uh, I gave everything fives except for score soundtrack because um, everything was just kind of there. Yeah, everything else I gave a five. And like I said, this is my lowest score below expectations with a well-deserved 3.8. Wow. Uh, I gave it a 4.8, which means expectations. It's, it's pretty square in the middle of that. Um, which seems about right. I probably could have gone a little bit lower uh, with the score soundtrack, especially after hearing uh, your argument for giving it a one um, is, is pretty sound. Um, yeah, I don't really feel like changing it though. I considered for a second there knocking I, it down to a three, but I think I'm a little more uh, not really eager to give ones, but a little more less hesitant to give ones yeah a one is is awfully harsh I was um, I mean I get it like I said I'm not gonna not gonna try and change your mind it makes perfect sense um but I'm gonna keep mine at a four I feel like uh, as much as I hated the Christmas music and, and I do know what you're talking about about the the lack of of Tony Stark music um, but I thought the score was decent, so I don't want to ding the category too much because I only half hated the category. <laughs> the other half I thought was fine. Um, so yeah, 4.8 total for me for sound. Okay, so um, that scored pretty low for both of us. <laughs> uh, what did you think about aesthetics? Um, I don't really have too much of note. Um, I, I don't have too much of notes. Um, I <laughs> mean, I thought high points and low points. I I gave um, I gave makeup a pretty high score, largely because of like wound makeup and um, things okay. like Guy Pierce's tattoos. I thought yeah. were were decent. Um, so so I thought that some of the more um, stage makeup is not quite the right. Or I guess just wound makeup. I guess um, like that kind of stuff as opposed to right. It's not the beauty makeup. makeup. The, yeah. Yeah. Beauty makeup. That's yeah. Um. So I so I so I gave it a pretty high score for that. Um. And and the sets, props, and locations. Um. All got fairly high. Um. Sets and locations. I gave an eight, and props. I gave a seven. Um. Just because I thought things things looked pretty nice. There was nothing that looked too much like a set. Um. Some of the stuff like the the basement or whatever where they were held. Um. Uh, looked a little stereotypical evil layer yeah, sure. um but not to the point that i that i dinged it too much i still thought everything looked pretty good um costumes i was just gonna give um i was debating between a five or a six but i ended up giving it a 6.5 because um mostly because i really liked pepper's costumes and i just i don't know there was just something of a of a personal preference i just thought she had cool clothes I guess um and she tends to have a little bit of a different style and in every movie she's in um she's one of those characters that doesn't necessarily have I mean she's definitely aside from in Avengers when she's randomly wearing Daisy Duke shorts or whatever Um, I guess yeah but she's usually you know she's got her suits and she's got her her professional look um but it's a little different in each movie and I just kind of liked the 
she just had a very modern look to her, which, yeah. which was a little overboard. But in a movie like this, everything's a little overboard. Yep. So I kind of went with it and and liked it. Um, and I would have given it probably a little bit higher, but um, then there seems like she's just randomly wearing a sports bra for like the whole last act of the movie, which didn't bother me that much because plot wise, they at least made it make sense. Um, but yeah, when she was uh, extreming, it's what we call it now. <laughs> yeah, um, and I mean, for crying out loud, if you have an actor or actress on set with abs like that, you got to yeah. show them off. I get it. I don't love it, but like her abs were ridiculous. So I guess I understand wanting to show that off. And how else are you going to get pepper pots to show that off anyway? Um, so I didn't really ding it for that, but uh, yeah, costumes were fine other than like her suits that I thought were pretty cool and hair was fine. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know why I went through every single thing, but yeah, that's that's Went what I got, through. I yeah. guess. Yeah, I thought everything was uh, pretty okay. Uh, I bumped props up a little bit. I did not take notes, so I don't know why. I bumped costumes down a little bit because, again, Tony Stark didn't dress like Tony Stark. And I, yeah. I think it, I don't know if it was just the Avengers movie or if it happened earlier, but like I saw him in like, like band t-shirts, like a Black Sabbath t-shirt. Yeah. Stuff like that. And I didn't see him in that. And I, I don't know. I just really like the character of Tony Stark. And I like, I like those bands. I like that music. I like when he's tinkering with things. I like to see that. And I expect to see that in a movie about Tony Stark. Sure. And he just, I didn't hear that thing, those things. And I didn't see him dress like that. It just didn't seem like Tony Stark. Uh, maybe that's kind of petty, but I, I bumped it down a little bit. Makes sense. So what did you think? The the only note that I have for this category is just the bunny, question mark. Um, what was up with that? Because I, I even asked you at one point, like, oh. The bunny? The, you know the bunny I'm talking about. The bunny with boobs that might have just been legs. Oh, yeah, the gift that uh, Tony Stark got Pepper Potts. Which I guess... giant inflatable or I think it was stuffed. But it was like, he mentions at one point that it was custom made. And I'm like, is this a reference to something? Is this... What was the point? And like, Uh, it it is... The joke is that it's supposed to look like boobs, but it's its front legs. Right? Uh, that other character, Maya, was that her name? She, yeah, I think she mentioned something about it, or at least gave it some weird looks. She said something about like, is that normal? But I feel like yeah, an, an adult having a giant stuffed animal is abnormal too. It had to have been intentional because it took me. This is like the fourth time I've seen this movie because I had to watch it so many times to write that paper. And I think this was the first time where I was like. Oh, those aren't boobs. Those are front legs. <laughs> so the fact that I didn't even register that they weren't boobs until now, that must be a joke, I guess. But it's so specific. And I feel like it should be a reference to something. Like, and Why would that be a Christmas present? Exactly. Like, it's got to be, like, does he call her a bunny? That doesn't make sense. Like, is this it an inside joke? Is it, does she love bunnies? Like, it was just such a random... That is weird. Like, 
Because I could see, like, if there's a carnival and he wins the giant stuffed animal, like, yeah, that's classic TV stuff. Sure. But, yeah, that's weird. Why was that even in the script? Exactly. And the fact that he mentions that it's custom made. So it's like, okay, this has to be something he thinks she would like for some reason. I don't know. I thought that was worth talking about because it was strange. Yeah. I don't know. There was a lot of weirdness in this movie. There was. Um, so what was your, unless there's anything else you wanted to add, what was your total for aesthetics? Um, somehow worked out to a 5.0. Okay, I went quite a bit higher. I got a 7.1. Um, largely because of sets, props, and locations, um, which I gave fairly high. And makeup, I guess I gave, I scored everything fairly high. Um, I'm not going to reiterate because I already just went yeah. through all of them, but... I know that kind of surprises me. It seems a little high, but then I look at the individual things. I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess it makes sense. It might seem a little high, but this movie could use a little bit of a bump. So I'll leave it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's going to bring us to your favorite category, (laughs) impact on film. Uh, So I guess I will start by asking, did you just copy my scores again? Yes, I did. All three? Yes. Okay. So I guess I'll explain for both of us why we rated it the way we did. Um, so for impact on film, uh, we've got critical impact, audience cult impact, and historical and inspirational impact. Um, and for this one, it, it scores really high on aggregate sites, um, which kind of surprised, particularly the critical impact, which I kind of would have thought would maybe be like a, you know, a four or five, like the critics yeah. who maybe lean more towards liking action movies might like it, but others maybe not so much. But it had a 6.2 Metacritic score, or I guess a 62, which I then divided by by 10. Um, so I gave it a 6 out of 10 for the critical impact. And then audience cult impact, I did a similar thing. I looked at, at I believe, four different audience score aggregate sites and kind of aggregated it myself by, by converting and averaging them together. And um, it came out to, a, a I believe, a 7.75, which I rounded up to an 8 largely because um, so many people seem to um, really like this movie, not just as a standalone movie, but there are a lot of people that will say that this is their favorite movie in the franchise, or or at least very close under the first Iron Man. Wow. It's, it's a really popular movie, and a lot of people have, have very strong feelings for it, um, which I think is worth talking about. A little bit, but let me um, let me wrap up this category first, and then I'll maybe um, maybe we can talk a little bit about why we don't like it and why maybe other people do, because I think that's worth um, worth talking about a little bit. Because I don't want to um, I don't want it to seem like I'm discrediting other people who like it. I think there are uh, there's just people who have different tastes when it comes to Marvel movies. Um, but anyway, before I get to that, um, for historical and inspirational impact, this one I scored fairly low. I basically gave it. Um, about a one and a half points ish, uh, pretty much just for being a Marvel movie. I figure every Marvel movie kind of starts at a one or a two for, sure. for historical inspirational impact, um, just because um, it, it is a part of the biggest franchise ever made or the most successful franchise ever made. And it's uh, there's a lot of historical impact that, that goes along as far as you know film history and things like that, as far as just the Marvel sure. franchise in general. 
Um, so it kind of automatically gets one or two points there. And then I gave it a little bit extra um, just because, like I said, it's, it's a favorite for a lot of people and, and people yeah. oftentimes prefer this movie to the first one even, which um, say it seems maybe that doesn't happen as often as I think, but it's definitely um they're definitely very close um which i don't think is going to be true for for our scores but for a lot of people um they rank very very close um and and it wraps up the trilogy and this is the first um the first end of a trilogy within within the mcu and the beginning of phase one so it's kind of a a double um double importance within the mcu it has a, a very specific place um, so for all of those reasons combined, the, the total for historical and inspirational impact came out to a three, which I think is by far the lowest um, uh, score for historical inspirational impact that I've given for, for any Marvel movie so far. Um, wow. But I think just as the franchise goes on, that's going to be true of a lot of movies. It's like, well, it's going to get a little bump for being in the franchise, maybe right. a little bump for something else. Um, but it's not like phase one where there's a, a really big right, importance right. of like, this is phase one. This is the beginning. This is something big. Um, and phase two, especially, I, I forgot to mention this in um, a little bit earlier. Well, let me, I'm getting a little off topic. Let me give the the total um, since we gave the same score for the subcategory. The total came out to a, a 5.67 out of 10 for impact on film. Um, so now that, now that that's out of the way, oh, you want to say something? Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to point out real quick that I didn't just copy what you put. I used that as a starting point. Okay. For the historic, uh, and then I for the historical and inspirational impact, I try to think about that my, on my own. Um, critical impact and audience cold impact, I you just put down what the internet tells you to put down, and so I copy that. But for I mean the, that's how I interpret it. I don't think people yeah. can interpret it differently. Um, but for the historical inspirational impact, I, I I thought about that a little bit, and I kind of thought the same thing. It's like, well, it's, it's part of the MCU. Uh, I know people like it, and it does go out of its way to say that what happened in New York actually happened, and it affects yeah. Tony Stark, and it affects uh, townspeople. Yeah. Just random characters are affected by that. And That's so true. That, that really did happen. Yeah. And so I, I I gave it a little bit of a bump for that as well. Okay. But we did end up with the same score. Oh, so you still gave it exactly the same for all three? Okay. Now, so before we get into overall enjoyment, there are two things that I wanted to to mention that I kind of started to a little bit there. Um, so the first is, um, since this is the first movie within the phase two of Marvel movies, I do think it's important to talk um, a little bit about um, the... Marvel Creative Committee, I believe is what it was called, Um, because I think, I I believe they were still, um, they were still involved in the phase one movies, but I think because that was such a a starting point, um, and it was more of like, you know, until Avengers and and a little bit in in, um, Captain America, they, they were very, you know, separate pieces, and then they combined in Avengers, um, so it was a little different, a different animal, so to speak, with phase one, um, but then phase two, um, you know, there was this Marvel creative committee that really, um, really interfered, I think is the best word to use uh, with yeah. uh, with the directors and the writers uh, making the movies. And um, so I, I think that's a, a really important thing to keep in mind with these phase two movies, um, because I think they're easily aside from. Guardians of the Galaxy, and and maybe you could argue Ant-Man, 
Um, the Phase Two movies. Well, maybe Captain America or Captain America Winter Soldier. I mean, I guess it's about fifty fifty. But there's definitely the weakest films of the franchise for the most part are found in Phase Two. Um, and and a lot of people really like this one, so so it's maybe this is I don't know maybe this is just more personal preference, but I, I do think the the studio interference and the uh, or not even just the studio but this Marvel creative committee that was formed to to keep everything um, consistent with their with their vision of like you know okay what is what is Avengers two going to be what is Avengers three going to be and you know they have this whole timeline built out which is great. Um, but the interference, uh, I really, I think did, did a lot of damage throughout phase two and we'll get into this for sure a lot more in the next movie that we do, uh, Thor Dark World. Um, I think it plays a, a much bigger role in that one. And also, um, Avengers Age of Ultron, I know it played a big role in, um, there's a lot of things in that movie that people don't like that I think is, is almost entirely, um, the Marvel creative committee is to blame for a lot of the things that don't work in that movie. Um, so anyway, it's, this is just like the Avengers review. It's getting a little late and I'm getting a little rambly, but I, I do think it's um, important to keep that in mind that phase two is, is kind of a, an awkward adolescent stage of the MCU and it's, it's very hit and miss. And there's um, just a lot of things that, that you can tell um studios or or i guess it's not quite fair to say the studio but the the marvel creative committee interfered um and i don't think that's that's super noticeable in this movie i think it's more noticeable in the movies with infinity stones um so so this movie i think kind of dodged that bullet a little bit but i do think um i, I do think the marvel creative committee presence is is visible pretty strongly throughout phase two um, so that was one thing that I wanted to, I didn't mean to go on for quite that long about it, but that was one thing I, I thought was worth mentioning since this is the first movie that we're doing within phase two. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, just the, the, the different type of Marvel fans and, and maybe talk about why some people like this movie more than, than we liked this movie. Um, especially cause we're leading into the overall enjoyment, um, category which I'm certain we're both going to score fairly low on um but, but it's it's important to remember that a lot of people really like this movie and and my theory I think what it comes down to is um similar to what we were talking about as far as as Thor versus Captain America and that you know there are two types of Marvel fans the ones that want to relate to their heroes and the ones that want to look up to their heroes I think you can also say there are two types of of Marvel fans, the ones that are interested in in action and in you know more of the the outer goal type thing, if you will, okay. and, and then there are those who are more interested in character and motivation and and the internal needs, and and I think we probably both fall more into the uh, the type of Marvel fan that wants to focus on character and see how characters grow. I think that's why we both really like. Um, like the the PTSD aspect and, and seeing how New York affected everything and how yeah. how Pony Stark yeah. changes like those things are all really interesting and things that this movie does fairly well, um, but the focus is on the action, um, which I think a lot of people really respond to. There are a lot of people that really like the action, the the adventure, the the outer goals, the external, and then I think there are those who are more interested in the internal. 
Um, so that's, I mean, that's my theory. I don't know if you have any, any theories. No, that's, that makes sense. Um, yeah, and I agree, because I think I mentioned before, I view this as sort of like modern mythology. Oh, yeah, yeah. And mythology did have a lot of people just smashing each other and punching each other and, you know, destroying towns and all kinds of crazy stuff. But it was it was also a lot of about motivations and and life lessons, I guess, and sure. stuff like that. So I, I, that, that kind of stuff does resonate with me more than just people fighting each other. The, and there are movies that are just people fighting each other. And if that's, geez, now I'm rambling. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, if I want to see a late. movie that's people fighting each other, there are good movies for that. But that's not, I'm, that's not really what I'm looking for in a Marvel. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, so now that that's uh, discussed, I suppose, <laughs> um, that brings us to overall enjoyment. Um, I'm a little scared to hear your score. Should I go first or should, should I let you go first? Uh, let's throw Shane down. It's going to be super exciting for the listeners. Yeah, yeah I won. Um, we didn't really establish that means <laughs> I go first or you go first. I guess that means I go first. Um, so my overall enjoyment, I still gave it... Um, I say still like it's such a high score. I gave it a four out of 10. Um, it definitely fell below my expectations, not just for, for what I want to see in a Marvel movie, but for what I want to see in an Iron Man movie. It just, for, for all the reasons that I, that I was just saying it, it's so much focused on the everything external and I'm very much so interested in the internal. Um, so it just didn't quite meet my expectations as far as what I want to see from this movie, but I still, there was enough that I found enjoyable, but I didn't want to knock it into like unsatisfactory range. Um, it just didn't meet my expectations, you know, but I still like, like it was very beautiful to look at. I, I really loved the camera work. Um, I guess that's probably the biggest thing. Aesthetics were, were fine as well. Um, and, and the acting, I did really like the acting. So, I mean, there are, there are some categories that scored fairly high, um, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to say that I, you know, completely found it unsatisfactory, but it's still a four out of 10 is still, particularly for a Marvel movie, yeah. a pretty low score. And it definitely, um, definitely did not meet my expectations. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. That's pretty close to what I gave it. I gave it a three out of 10. Uh, I thought for sure it was going to be like a one or a two. <laughs> no, this already got two other ones. Um. No, I gave it a three. Uh, that's right in the middle of below expectations. Um, I thought the bad guy was kind of just uh, evil for the sake of being evil. I'm not really sure what was up with that. Yeah. Uh, it's all stuff that I feel like I've seen this before in the other two movies. Sure, yeah. Uh, there was nothing like really wild or crazy or interesting or unique or totally different. Um uh, the, the overall action was all right. Uh, there were just so many like plot holes or like, there were so many times where, like I said, I just sort of threw up my arms like, what, what, why didn't you do that earlier? Right. Why can you do this now all of a sudden? Why did you do that? Why not this? Why that? Uh, yeah. it was, it was probably the most frustrating, <laughs> uh, movie that we watched in the MCU so far, but you know, the action was all right, and the overall story was okay, I guess. The magma people were kind of cool. <laughs> sure. When they went uh, extreme. 
So uh, three out of ten. All right, fair enough. What about extra credit? Did you give it any extra credit? I did give it, um, I gave it extra credit for one thing, which, which I did decide to cut in half for this movie. So I gave it a half point of extra credit um, because we do get to see Pepper kick some ass, which even though it, I feel like it could have done better, and even though Gwyneth Paltrow is not the best actor for yeah, that particular, really yeah, but as far as like the character and her place in the comic books and, and what I know that character can do from the comic books, yeah. it was still, it was still really fun to see. Even though, like I said, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, not the best choice for, for an action star at all. And, uh, yeah. and the writing, as far as, as far as all that, I had some issues with, but we still got to see it, even if it was just for a little bit. So so I gave it a little bit of extra credit, half point. All right. I also gave it one point, and I guess I'm double dipping, excuse your phrase, because <laughs> uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, is that I really like how Tony Stark and the townsfolk and the whole world is still still dealing with New York and what happened yeah. in the Avengers movie. And uh, all kinds of people talk about it. One of the characters even says, ever since the big dude fell from the sky, subtlety has had its day. Yeah. And, I mean, that's very appropriate for uh, the Iron Man series. <laughs> I think they're, like I've said before, they're pretty goofy, a lot yeah. of characters. Um, but Tony Stark has to deal with it with his PTSD, and, like, his mind is blown because there's so much out there, and Earth is not ready for this. Right. And I think that really changes uh, the trajectory of his character over the Absolutely. next few movies. And I think that's really interesting and really cool. And so I think that deserves one point of extra credit. Fair enough. Did you uh, did you have it or did you just did give I one point? Have it? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, go figure. You're such a rebel. That's right. Um, all right, so then what was your uh, total score, unless there's anything you want to add for this movie? The total score, 51.67. All right. Uh, my total was 59.17, uh, which meets expectations, is a little close to getting to that exceeds expectations range, but not quite, but, which I feel like is is about right. Um, it definitely, the writing fell, fell pretty low, but some of the more technical aspects, um, you know, I feel, I feel okay with that score because of some of the technical aspects that I liked. Um, but there's just, in general, a lot of shortcomings with this movie. And it's definitely um, definitely going to be in the, the lower percentage <laughs> whenever we end up yeah. with a final ranking. Well. Um, I mean, it, it definitely it got quite a bit better than, um, than Iron Man 2. Uh, I think almost 10 points better for me. Um, and, and I... I'm, fairly certain it's going to do quite a bit better than the next movie we do uh which is going to be something else <laughs> um yeah this is my lowest ranked movie so far really or no uh the incredible hulk was lower but this one got lower than iron man 2 yeah wow by how much uh, about two points Oh, that seems not about much. right. Yeah, they were pretty close in all honesty. Uh, well, I mean, I guess not pretty close for me. Like I said, it was about, I think, about a nine-point difference. Um, I, I'm not sure about the next movie. I suspect it's going to be rated higher than we think, at least for me. Maybe. Some of the technical categories are probably going to be fairly yeah. high. 
but we'll, well see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll see next week. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, was there anything else you would like to add for this movie? Um, just uh, be careful when you start extreming. <laughs> Don't go too hot. Yeah. All right. So that about wraps up our discussion of Iron Man 3. And if you're interested in learning more about the grade rating system for both movies and TV shows, you can check that out over at grittyfilms.com slash the grid. And that's gritty films spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y films.com. You can also check out the Gritty Films Patreon account if you're interested in learning how you can help support the Gritty Films uh, podcast. And that's going to be at patreon.com slash gritty films. And if you want to rate and review this podcast on iTunes, that would be super awesome. And then uh, if there are any X-Files fans out there listening, uh, Tristan and I just started a review uh, a review podcast called The X-Files on the Grid. We just posted our pilot episode on Sunday, and uh, we're going to be posting our review of Season 1, Episode 2, Deep Throat, on July 8th. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Uh, should be on iTunes and all that good stuff. Um, so and, and you can find more information about that at the Gritty Films website as well, which again is going to be grittyfilms.com. Uh, so I think that wraps everything up. We will see you next time. And that's it. We'll see you next time. Yeah.